We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. God, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for everybody here. Thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you may speak to us. Just meet us where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you got 2 Kings chapter 4, say, I got it. Awesome. If you don't got it, say, hold up. We got a couple holdups in there. So 2 Kings chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 6, and then we're going to dive into the text a little bit. It says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, Tell me, what have you in the house? And she says, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside. Borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all the vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. Verse 5, it says, so she went with him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. Verse 6, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel And he said to her, there is not another than the oil stopped flowing. Have you ever had a time where you just felt like there was not enough time in the week? Like there was just not enough hours in the day. How many, let me, let me just do a poll. How many of you guys went through this week and said, I wish there was more time this week for me to accomplish everything that I needed to do? How many of you guys got to the end of the week and said, I didn't accomplish everything I said to do. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. There was just no time. How many of you guys just felt like, hey, maybe I didn't have enough time to myself this week. Husbands, watch yourself. Don't raise your hand. Okay? Just letting you know. But life gets so full. Between work, school, sports, Everything else that we have on our plate, it moves so fast, and most of us can't add anything else to our time. We just can't do any other thing. But can I tell you what frustrates me about God? Yeah, it's okay. You can say that. Let me tell you what frustrates me the most about God. Is when I feel like I have nothing more to give, when I have no more room in my life, that's when he calls me for more. That's when he invites me to do more. That's when he's got more to put on my plate. It's like, when I have food, my favorite meal, and I'm eating my favorite meal, my wife or my children, never show up when the plate is full. It's always when I'm last to my last final bite. That best piece that you've been savoring. You know when you're eating something and you're like moving it around? And, or like if you're eating a burger and you're looking at it from every angle, like how am I going to approach this? 
This is my last bite. And in that moment, that's when my wife or my kids come up like, oh, that looks good. Can I have a bite? It's my last bite. Why couldn't you come when it was full? God shows up. It's like, God, my plate is already full. I already have enough stuff to do. Why do you want me to do one more thing? Why does God show up in our lives and ask for more when we feel like we have nothing left? Here's why. Because miracles rarely take place in the surplus, but they're readily evident when there is lack. Miracles rarely take place in the surplus, but they're readily evident when there's scarcity. And we see this in scripture, in this, in this study that we're about to be in. There's this lady, in verse 1 it says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his sons. See, back in this day, the fate of a widow was treacherous. When you were in debt, they didn't just come and repo the car. They came and repoed you, your children, and everybody else with you. So this lady is left by herself. There's this death that's amassed. And now she's fear for her life. She has spent everything. She can't pay any more debt. She's literally in the last phase before they show up and take her two sons. She's got nothing else. The pressures of life have, have just showed up and they're, they're heavy. She can't take on any more. She says, if you take my sons, I've got nothing left. And some of us, that's how we feel. Between work and parenting and being in sports and being in dance, Jalen and Zyla. And you've got homework. And you've got all these things. You've got work, school, sports, whatever it is. And you're just like, I've got nothing else left. I can't do anything more. I'm in this situation where everything has just amassed and I am just spent. I get to the end of the week and I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. Anybody been there? I just want to sleep in. Don't talk to me. Don't call me. Cell phone's off. I'm I'm in my pajamas by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm laying in bed trying to turn the lights off, close the blinds. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't care. I'm tired. And then in verse 2, she says, and uh, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? She goes to Elisha and she says, listen, I am absolutely spent. The pressure is on me and now I'm being asked for more. And some of us, we come to God and we're saying, God, I can't do this next thing. I can't take any more. I just don't have any more bandwidth inside of me. And we come to him like, God, I need your help. And isn't it so funny how God answers? What can I do for you? Well, you're God. Give me more hours in the day, please. Take some of this stuff off of my plate. He comes to her and he says, what can I do for you? She's like, I need help. What can I do for you? And then he says, hey, 
What do you have in your house? What? Now you want something out of my house? Wait, hold on. Not only do the creditors want something out of my house, now you, I'm supposed to come to you for help, and now you're asking me to give you something? Isn't that God? God, I need your help. Hey, you got a little more time on your hands? That's not what I asked you, God. I said, I need help. That's cool. Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, hey, God, I have no more time left in my schedule. Hey, are you willing to serve on the serving team this week? God, God, I am so tired. I don't feel like doing anything. Pastor calls you. Hey, man, I can't wait to see you this morning on Sunday or this weekend. Because what she's looking at, she says, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. I, I just have a, I have a little cup. It's got a little bit of oil, God. And it's already, you know, it, it, it's full, but like I can't do anything more with it. My cup is already full. I got too much going on. She says, even what I have is not enough. And writers and historians said this oil that she had was like in a really small jug. It wasn't like she had this big vat of oil that you used to, to cook with or, or, or to heat up the house with when it got cold. No, it was, it was actually a really small jug of oil used for anointing. When somebody was sick or somebody needed prayer, they would take a little bit of the oil, kind of like I did to Pasadena, and I anointed them with oil. And that's, the, that's all the oils that she had in her house. She'd gotten rid of her chairs, her furniture, her TV. Everything was gone but this little jug of oil. And she says, all I have is a small little jug of oil. God, I just don't have much time. I mean, like, maybe I just have, like, that much I just got a little bit left. I just, I just, I don't have enough. She was caught up. She was caught up in, in a vision of scarcity. She was caught up with what she didn't have and didn't look for the opportunity around her. God, all I have is a little time. And, and we do it too, honestly. My plate's too full this week. I can't, I, I can't go to church. I'm tired. I, I've done a lot this week. I, I, I can't serve Sunday morning. I just, I, there's just too much going on in my life. I promised my buddy I, I'll do this thing with him, and this is the only time I have. Sunday morning is the only time I have, so I'm, I'm just going to be there. And we do it too. We look at the limited resource that we have and we say, listen, it's scarce. But can I, can I challenge you with this? The scarcity mindset will never open the door to a new possible. When you look at what you don't have, you will never be able to see what could be. When I'm so concerned with the little that I have, I will never be able to see the abundance that God can provide. And so point number one, availability is a big deal to God. 
It should be a big deal to us. And when we feel like we've got no more time, when we feel like we have no more space in our life, we feel like we have nothing else left to give in our lives, God asks, well, what do you have available? What do you have available? God, I, I'm at the end of my ropes. Okay, so what do you, what's there? What do you have in your house? What's available? What, what do you see there? God, it's just, I just got a little time. What do you have? Just, I don't have enough. Verse 3, he goes on. Then he said this, go outside and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels, not too few. Go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. I've got only a small jar of oil. Go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. Go and get something that has been allocated for something else and bring it here. Somebody's going to catch that. Go and get those things that seem valuable over there, empty them and bring them over here. Go and get the vessels, but bring them empty. Go and redeem the things that are reserved for something else, empty them, and bring them here. Go get the time that you've allocated to something else, empty it, and bring it here. Because the vessels are available. The time is there. You just have an allocation problem. Empty them. Make sure they're available and unhindered. Make sure you bring them. And he says, not too few. He said, but but some of us, this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay, God, I'm going to give you a little bit of time. But something's still going to be there. There's still something that takes priority. God, I'm going to show up, but I got stuff to do right after church. God, I got to show up, but I got to leave at this time. God, I got to show up, but I got other things on my mind. And he says, listen, the the time is there. The vessels are there. The availability is there. Just you got to bring them empty. Empty them. Hey, listen, this time is allocated for something else, but you know what? I'm going to empty it. This seems a little important right now, but I'm going to empty it. Get as many as you can. See, here's the deal. The resources that we feel like we're missing in our life, the time that we feel we don't have in our life, is readily available. It's an allocation issue. They're just allocated to other things. Point number two. Spiritual maturity is choosing what is right over what is easy or immediate. God, I've got all these other things that I need to take care of, but is it the right thing? 
God, I've got so much time spent at work. I've got to be at work. I've got to do this. I've got to be at this event. I've got to be at this, this, whatever it is. And he's saying, is that the right thing or are you just getting caught up in the immediate? Are you getting caught up with what's easy? Because what she could have said, this is what she could have said. But God, those are their vessels. But Elisha, those are their pots. Those are their stuff. And I can't take it from there. The easiest thing for her would have been to say, I can't do that. I already owe too much. If I come and borrow the vessels, they're not going to be sure that they're going to get them back. So maybe the easiest thing for do, to do is just sit here and wallow in my own self-pity and say, well, there's nothing else I can do about it. It would have been easy for her to say, no, 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 no there's, a, there's already an allocation to that, to that vessel. But no, Elisha says, the vessels are there. The opportunities are there. The resources are there. You just have an allocation issue. You've got them caught up in other things when you could have them in your house. So instead of sitting here and worrying about how much time you don't have, go and redeem that time. Bring it back to me empty because I'm about to do something that you have never seen before. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Verse 4 through 6. So what happens? Then they go in and shut the door. She, she listens. He said, go to the uh, neighbors, borrow vessels, empty the vessels, not too few, get a bunch of them. Go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons, pour into all the vessels, and when one is full, set it aside. Verse 5, so she went in from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. Verse 6, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel, and he said to her, there is not another than the oil stop flowing. Go get the vessel, empty it, then shut the door and start pouring. Why is this so significant? Because if she would have left the door open, if she would have let everybody in on what she was doing, guess what would have happened? What are you doing in there with that? I heard you didn't have anything in your house anyway. Why are you taking my vessels? What are you going to do with my vessels? And then she would have grabbed the little pot and started pouring out. She was like, oh, that vessel is too small. What are you doing? That's dumb. The haters would have showed up. Why are you spending too much time at the church? Why are you wasting your time serving so much? You could be doing something so much more productive. You're wasting your time. Why are you giving yourself over to the church? Why do you always show up to church on Sunday? Why do you show up early on Sunday? Why do you show up during the week for regroup? Why do you show up? Why do you show up? He says, shut the door because the haters are coming. But another thing is distractions would have come. If she had left the door open and seen the creditors coming, and see the pressures of life approaching her, she would have gotten scared and maybe would have dropped the oil and stopped what she was doing. If she allowed herself to be open to the distractions and the fears of everything that was coming her way, she would have stopped showing up to church because I need to go make sure I make this money real quick because at the end of the day, I've got to live. 
If she would have left the door open, she would have seen the shiny object and say, Elisha said bring empty vessels, but that over there looks like it's going to actually get me what I really want. So I'm going to stop what I'm going to do over here, and I'm going to go over there. But here's the deal. It says in verse 5, so she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels. Verse 6, when the vessels were full, she said to her sons, bring me another. So as long as the vessels kept coming, the oil would continue to pour. When there was availability, God brought the provision. And then when all the time was spent, the oil stopped flowing. Listen, point number three. God takes note of those who are available and rewards those who are faithful. God takes note of those who are available and rewards those who are faithful. The oil stopped flowing only when the vessels quit showing up. Uh, Listen to this. In scripture, oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. In scripture, Whenever you see oil, whenever there was an individual who was made to be king over land, whenever there was a prophet who was about to be called to be a prophet, oil was poured on them. As long as they were made available or made themselves available to God, they would pour the oil on them. It symbolized the Holy Spirit. And maybe the reason some of us don't experience the Holy Spirit in our lives in abundance is because we don't show up. Or maybe we do show up, we, we don't commit all of ourselves, so. And we're like, God, I just feel like your spirit is no longer with me. I feel like you're just coming out of, of me, and I just feel like I don't have all of you. Maybe because you're too full of everything else. Maybe you need to present yourself empty so I can pour in. Maybe the reasons we don't experience God's spirit in our lives is because we're approaching faith from a place of scarcity and not abundance of what God can provide. So we're just, maybe just we're just not showing up. And we're seeing our life as a mess. And I feel like I just, I, I don't feel everything is put together right now. I feel like I'm... I've been emptied of the Holy Spirit because even when I do show up, I come with extra baggage with me, extra time crunches with me, extra burdens on me. This is what scripture says in Hebrews 10.25. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. This is not the time. We're not living in a season right now for us to say, you know what? Church is just not a priority in my life. 
We're not living in a time where church should be optional. He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, continue to allocate more time to gathering with others so that God can pour out in his abundance, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. And you know how we follow Jesus around here? We, we feel like Jesus Christ is hot cheese, you know? Some of y'all really like cheese. So we want to passionately follow Jesus. And scripture tells us in Luke 4, this is what Jesus' custom is. This was what Jesus always did. This is the habit that he did. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, as was, was what he did all the time, as, as something that was frequent in his life, something that was not even thought about. He just did it. It was mechanical. It was intentional. It was just happened all the time. He says he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day like a good Jew. He made sure he was in church. This is Jesus, the son of God, the founder of the church. And what did he do? Show up to church. As was his custom. Verse 7, let's wrap this thing up. She came and told the man, The oil stopped flowing. Excuse me. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Go pay your debt with the oil. So God fills up. And this is what he says. He says, go sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your son can live on the rest. As I give, add more cups. He says, take that oil. And go give it out. Take that Holy Spirit that God has given you and go share it in your community. Take that time in that vessel and go give it out. But look at what God is doing every time we give it out. We take time. We get filled up. We give it. And at the same time, God is pouring in. And you're like, man, I thought I would have less time because I'm spending too much time in God's house. But God says, no, you keep spending time and I'll give you more time. He says, if you go sell the oil, if you take this mission and this vision and this gospel that I've given you, guess what? I will continue to pour in more time for you, more resources. More strength, more power, more vision, 
more everything. He says, I'm the God of abundance. I can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can think or imagine. While you're thinking you're giving up, he's giving in. When you think you're pouring out, he's pouring in. When you feel like you're letting it all go, he's bringing more to you. When you think your resources are drying up, he's just filling them up. And then you get to the end and you're like, I feel like I've got more time on my hands. I feel like I've got more vision in my mind. I feel like I've got just so much more. But listen, he says this. This is, this is, this is big right here. This is, this is big. I, I know it's going to hit somebody. The oil is the Holy Spirit, and he fills us up when we come to faith in Jesus. And she says, go pay your creditors. That's what he tells her. Now, Romans, the, the writer in Romans, Paul, says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 14. He says, I am a debtor. I'm paying a debt both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the unwise. So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. See, the faith, the blessings, the hope, the courage, the grace, the power, the Holy Spirit God places in our life is for us, but it's not about us. We're supposed to give it out. See, our time that we've been given on this earth is borrowed time. We are on loan. This is not our time to use the way we want to use it. God has said, listen, I've redeemed you. I sent Jesus Christ to come and die for, the, for your sins. But guess what he did? He bought you. You are living on borrowed time. He says, listen, you know how you repay your debt? Just go out and tell somebody else the good things that I've done for you. Go share with them the blessings that I've had for you, and you will be able to live on the abundance. We started out with six up here. Now we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. God will always give you more than you thought you were going to give up. You'll be able to live on the rest. See, God's economy is the only place where you give up and you gain. See, life teaches you the more you give out, the less that you have. God says, no, listen, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. But if you try to hold on to it, you will lose it. I got a bonus. Everybody say, what's the bonus? There's a bonus in this. You notice that everything that she did, it was all done with her sons. Imagine these sons are seeing their mother struggle, seeing all the pain and suffering that she's dealing with. And what does she do first? She goes to the man of God. What should our our children see us doing? Going to God first, getting on our knees and say, God, I am in a situation right here. And then showing up to church and shutting the doors behind us. As we commit our time into receiving God's word. It was her sons who were going out to get the vessels and she was serving alongside of her sons. Somebody get this. She didn't just do it by herself. She brought a team with her. 
She served alongside somebody else. She modeled something. Imagine when they see the oil keep flowing and when they get somewhere in their lives, what they're going to remember. I remember my, my mom, when she was stuck in a tight situation, when she felt like there was nothing else left, she went to God, she went to church, she gathered us together, and we started serving together. We saw God's hand move in everything that we were doing. Because listen to this, point number four, your circle of influence, this is not just for parents, this is for children as well, and youth as well. Your circle of influence will mimic what you model. There are people watching you constantly. How are you living this life of faith? How are you living out this faith that God has given you? You know where I learned to pray from? My father. You know where I learned the importance of going to church? My dad. You want to learn where I learned the importance of giving and serving? My father and my mother, both of them. They were faithful in prayer, faithful in study, faithful to God, faithful to the local church, faithful to serving, faithful to giving. And it was so easy for me that when God redeemed me from my mess, it was like, hey, this is easy. I know how to do this. Why? Because I mimicked what they modeled. Let me give a challenge to every parent in this room. What are you modeling to your children? Because they're watching. Are you modeling faithfulness? Are you modeling devotion? Are you modeling commitment? Listen. Give God your time. If you remember nothing else in this message, give God your time and he will give you his spirit. Give God your time, and he will give you his spirit. And listen, listen, some of you guys, you're like, oh, man, I'm too busy. I got work. I got all these time. Listen, if you feel like you're too busy, you're in good company. One of the greatest prophets, Moses, when God calls him to go rescue an entire nation from slavery, what did God find him doing? Working. He was in the field. He was a shepherd. He's with his sheep. He's doing what he's supposed to do. This is how he's making his living. And God said, hey, I'm glad you're busy, bro, but I got more. If you feel you're too busy to commit any more time to the local church, hey, guess what? You're in good company. Remember when God called the apostles and the disciples? Where did he find James and John and Peter? They were on fishing boats. They were working. They were busy. They owned their own company. They were making good money. And what he said, hey, listen, I'm glad you're busy. I can use you. I need somebody who knows how to get stuff done. I need somebody entrepreneurial. I need somebody who knows what commitment looks like. If you feel you're too busy to commit your time to the local church and gathering with the people, guess what? You're in good company. Remember Paul. Paul was one of the most elite leaders in the Jewish church. 
In fact, he, he was so good at what he did that he went and persecuted Christians. He jailed them, saw them killed, and he was okay with it. And he was busy working, and he was on mission when God found him and knocked him off of his high horse. Oh, you think you're too busy? Let me show you what real busyness looks like. You about to plant churches for me? People going to come to faith in Jesus. The entire world is going to be flipped upside down by your writings. God uses people who are busy. So if you feel like you're too busy, that's perfect. If you feel like your time is spent, you are the right person God wants to use. Because God doesn't call people with free time. He calls busy people to free up their time. God wants to give you his spirit. Miracles don't happen in the surplus, but they're evident in times of scarcity. How many people in here want God's spirit in their life? Give you more strength, more power, more courage to accomplish everything that he wants to. Uh, Well, if that's the case, quit just showing up to church. Quit just showing up to church. Uh, Make church non-negotiable. Make it a priority. And make it something that that is not going to be secondary to anything else, but is going to be primary. Now, listen, this is not for the people who are like in law enforcement or in the medical field. I get that. You've got to work Sunday. We need somebody to save somebody. Hello, somebody. But this is those moments where you're just like, I just don't feel like it. I'm just too tired. It's Friday. You've had a long week. You spend all Saturday at home on the couch. Sunday morning, oh, I had a long week. You just spent all Saturday on the couch. What are you talking about? Well, the week to come. Listen, miracles don't happen in the surplus. Miracles happen in scarcity. Give God your time and he will give you his spirit. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.